You're listening to The Whatcom Report, a Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce program in partnership with KGMI. Good morning and welcome to The Whatcom Report. I'm your host, Guy Grasso, President and CEO of the Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce. And The Whatcom Report is a program of the Chamber in partnership with KGMI. Uh, news talk radio and so this morning show is going to be really interesting as we are at the end of 2023 looking forward to 2024 it's crazy to even say that or think that uh, one of the first things that happens in our governmental world uh, every new year is the start of the session in Olympia and so today the show's focus is going to be focused on that and some of the priorities. And we've got one of our amazing elected officials joining us this morning. So stay tuned, grab a cup of coffee, and we will be right back. Now you can mow, dig, grade, haul, and more with the perfect solution for your property, a Branson tractor. Save your back and your wallet with one of our compact but powerful tractors here at Farmers Equipment Company. Stop by and choose from our full line of Bransons to take on your toughest tasks. With tractors from 19 to 55 horsepower, we have a Branson compact or utility tractor that is perfect for you. Want to use a rotary cutter to tame that tall brush on your property? You can do that. What about snagging a scoop from that pile of gravel to maintain your driveway free of potholes? You can do that too. Branson's six-year warranty along with our factory trained technicians will make sure your new tractor is always running great. Get the tractor you want and the peace of mind you need at Farmers Equipment Company. To learn more, visit us online at FarmersEquip.com or stop by our locations in Linden or Burlington today. Farmers Equipment Company, serving the Pacific Northwest for over 86 years. Hi, it's Scott from Northwest Sleep Solution in Fairhaven. You know, I've sold mattresses in Bellingham and Washington County for a lot of years now. And I got a call from a lady the other day that was asking about our selection. She wanted one of these memory foam beds in a box you can get online. And we don't carry that. And she says, well, how do you have the best selection? So I explained to her the best selection often means not only what you do carry, but what you don't carry as well. And so at Northwest Sleep, rather than memory foam, we carry Tempur-Pedic as the highest rated mattress on the planet. Rather than some of the generic coil beds out on the market, we carry Beautyrest, the invented of the pocket of coil. We carry things that we believe in and we don't carry things we don't. So come see us at Northwest Sleep Solutions on the corner of 10th and McKenzie in Fairhaven. Solution for a good night's sleep. Welcome back to the Walkman Report. And as I teased in our opener, uh, Santa Claus is not the only thing that's on its way. We have the uh, Washington State Legislature session coming up uh, in a matter of weeks. And so this morning, I am so thrilled and happy to have one of our elected officials, Alicia Brule, on the show uh, this morning. Alicia, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Guy. It's great to be here. Boy, with yeah. an intro intro like that, I don't know if I can keep up with Santa. I think you can. I think you absolutely <laughs> can. Uh, so today, we're just going to spend some time talking about uh, some of your priorities, kind of what you think is going to come out of the legislative session. and. Of course, there'll probably be other topics that come up as well. 
And so one of the things that we always like to do with the guests on the show is tell us a little bit about yourself and I mean, what do, what do we need to know? Who, who is this human that we're talking to this morning? Sure. Well, I'll try to encapsulate it quickly. Um, I First of all, I was born and raised here in Whatcom County, just outside of Linden. And my family's been here for five generations. I'm raising three kids here. Um, My favorite and most important job, raising three kids. But I also am a small business owner. Uh, I have a, a therapy practice. We see children, youth, and families. And I've been a social worker for a couple decades building on that. Um, and now I have the honor of being able to represent my community in Olympia. And um, it's been it's been a really, it's been an honor. Um, and I've enjoyed the work very much. Great. And you were also um, a local, well, I guess still local elected, but blank, right? Yeah, I started out on the city council. I I have to tell you, I never really imagined that I would be involved in politics. I don't even really like politics that much, to be honest. But um, I was sitting on the side of my kid's baseball field and the parents continued to kind of express their concerns about the community. And at some point I said, well, what about, you know, your city council? And people didn't know who the city council was at the time, not that long ago. And really, without thinking too much about it, the night before the deadline, I turned in my paperwork to run (laughs) with uh, very little knowledge. But it's been really interesting to learn about how our government works. And um, I've really enjoyed being able to represent my community. Wonderful. And thank you for that service, right? I think it's an important thing to that fact that there's so many people that don't know our elected leaders and from local electeds to state electeds. Uh, most people, I think, tend to know some of the big, big players from a federal standpoint, but I have always advocated that so much of the, so much of what impacts us most probably is on a local level. And so, um, and I would say state is a big component of that. And so one of the reasons that we invited you is to talk about that thing coming up um, is session. And so it starts early, mid January. And Mm -hmm. what are your kind of just overall expectations? Like, what do you kind of expect going in this year? Yeah, well, I know this session is going to be a fast one. So, uh, this is a short session. It toggles back and forth. Yeah, it toggles back and forth between a long and a short session. So that means this time it's a budget supplementary year. Um, We've already done our budget for the two-year biennium. And this time, the intention is to go back and tweak it, fix what we missed, and um, just sort of tidy it up. But all of us as legislators, I promise you, will be taking full advantage of trying to do everything we can, which means we will do double the amount of work and half the amount of time. (laughs) And so when you're looking at this year's sessions. What are the what do you think are the big things that are going to come up? Where are you going to spend that short amount of that very packed but short amount of time doing? Yeah, I'm glad you asked earlier about how I came into this work because as I reflect and sort of prepare for this next season, 
what's clear to me is that what started me in this work is the very same thing that will drive and anchor my work moving forward into this session. So what to expect on a whole? I don't know. We'll see what the other legislators and the other districts have in their back pocket. But I'll tell you what I have in mind for our, our community, um, which is not really a big change off of where I've been. I'm always focused on our future, which means that I am very big on investing and protecting our children. Mm -hmm. um, as somebody, like I said, who's been here for five generations, I think making sure that we protect um, what's, what's ahead of us for our kids and frankly improve our conditions now is really where we should be spending our time and money and resources because they are our future. Uh, something shifts when you have kids and you begin really focusing on the world through their eyes. And when I look at you know our community through our youth's eyes, I'm really concerned. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll be doing a bunch of bills on that, no surprise there. But the other thing I, I'm really taking a look at is the intersection between behavioral health and public safety because I truly believe they can work together. Yeah, well, I think they need to, right? Like it's, and I would look back on that youth component too, um, <clears throat> and the intersectionality of youth and mental health. And again, the subplot, if you will, of the opioid crisis overarching public safety, like all of these things are intertwined. Um, yeah, and it's so everywhere. It's so when we we look at that and we look at what's the risk to our youth, we have to recognize that the opioid crisis is hitting them the hardest, mm -hmm. and it's hitting them in a life or death way, um, and it can happen to anybody. Yeah. And once we really kind of acknowledge that reality, then I think most people will probably join in my passion to say there really isn't much more important than just going full speed ahead at prevention, at saving lives, at um, everything we can throw at this fentanyl crisis that's really hitting our youth the most, all of us, it impacts all of us, but right. particularly with our young people. Mm -hmm. And you know, we've got about a minute or two left in this segment. Uh, so I'd love to maybe push on that a little bit more. You know, when you say, cause I think I know what you mean, but I'm not gonna make any assumptions. Uh, when you say it hits youth the hardest, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, that that is the the age where we see the most deaths. Okay, you know, that's what I thought we you were going with, but I just, yeah. They're at the highest risk. Now, yeah. now I, I will clarify, this impacts everybody. Right. But if you look at the numbers, it's hitting our, our youth, our teenagers, and our young 20s the hardest, for sure. Yeah. And that is, and you know, again, I am no toxicology expert, but... And you build up a resistance, you you aren't at that highest risk, unlike people taking it for the first time. And then that's where tragedy can strike more often, I guess, right? Am I articulating that? I think that's part of it. But I also think that, you know, youth have always been developmentally um, more curious about things. And it's mm -hmm. they're bumping into it accidentally as much right. as they're is that they're experimenting. And the trouble right. is there's no room for that because people are dying. Yeah, um, It's completely unacceptable for us to allow this to move forward and to watch our young people die. Mm -hmm. our, our, uh, you know, we're just going to too many funerals of young right. people that have bright futures in front of them. Yeah. 
Well, on that somber note, we're going to go to our first uh, break. Uh, we're going to come back and continue the conversation. So stay tuned. Ready to build that new home? Do you want precision site preparations, seamless drainage systems, and sturdy house foundations? Honkoop Gravel is your answer. Experience is the difference of their full-service civil contractors and state-of-the-art heavy equipment. With over 45 years of service, they ensure quality done right the first time. Honkoop Gravel, the professional team you want for your next project. In Linden or at honkoopgravel.com. This week with PNW Perks, get a unique and immersive night out for half the price. Thursday at 8 a.m., you can get two players for the price of one at Lockbreaker Escapes in Bellingham. Are you tired of having the same old night out? Think you've seen it all and believe nothing can surprise you anymore? Well, prepare to have your expectations shattered. In the heart of downtown Bellingham, an amazing experience awaits you at Lockbreaker Escapes. You're trapped, the clock is ticking, and the only hope for survival is your wits. Will you and your team escape the Italian wine cellar before the poison takes hold or fix the broken elevator before it comes crashing down. Don't be alarmed. It's all part of the game. Welcome to the exciting world of puzzle solving like you've never experienced before. Visit LockbreakerEscapes.com to book your adventure. Will you break the locks or will the locks break you? Thursday at 8 a.m. with PNW Perks. You can score admission for two at Lockbreaker Escapes for the price of one only at PNWPerks.com. With more ways than ever to connect to news and entertainment, 90% of new car buyers want the tried-and-true AM-FM radio option. Gadgets are great, but when you're behind the wheel, you just want that local connection that you can't get from online apps. Local radio is dependable and free, with no subscription or cellular data required, and no fumbling with a separate device. Visit wearebroadcasters.com and tell us how you depend on AM radio stations like KGMI, and how you want AM included in your next new car. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Welcome back to the Watkins Report. I'm your host, Guy Trigrasso, President and CEO of the Bellingham Regional Chamber. Uh, we're here with uh, Representative Alicia Rule uh, talking about the upcoming um, session in Olympia where our state gets stuff done. And uh, we were we were talking about the conversation that we started kind of locked into the opioid crisis. And this is truly on the top of everyone's mind. And so as you're kind of looking into the session, what what's on your mind? What's on your heart? What are some of those solutions that you think we can work towards? Yeah, I mean, I think the kids are on my heart, you know, and when we talk about the kids, we we're really talking about families. Um, and the the intensity of this crisis, you know, partly involves fentanyl, which is a, a huge part of it. But it's also a broader youth mental health crisis mm-hmm. that's putting our youth at death rates that we just really haven't seen in a long time. Um, I would add suicidality rates that we haven't seen in my lifetime uh, and depression and anxiety rates that I don't think most adults really know. Um, This is historical. It needs emergent attention and it's complex. Uh, So I intend to go in with multiple ideas um, in order to address this because we look at even youth suicidality, it's the second highest rate of death 
for, for our youth. I mean, this is something that we know we have science, we have the ability to impact and we should be all in. So I'm all in and I'm planning to lead in that way because it's happening to, to everybody's families. And what's interesting is, you know, parents, if you talk to parents, they feel like it's just them. They -hmm. think I must be doing this wrong because it wasn't this way when I was a kid. And I see that my, my kid's struggling, but it's just true across the board. No kid is immune to this. Mm-hmm. And but what, we're not talking about it as much as we should. Yeah. Um, I think we talk, and maybe it's just those, those circles that you and I run in where we talk about it, but I think we, we glance over it, right? Like we reference it a lot, but we don't really talk about it. And so I guess this may be leaning into more of your, more of your professional career, right? Um, as someone that engages young people and families, do we know why? Like, I, I'm always fascinated by this, and I'm not a mental health professional, um, because I do feel that very similar way. It's like, gosh, like when, you know, when I was growing up, you had stress of schoolwork and all of the things, but I don't think it was to that level that it is that impending doom, right? That I think so yeah. many young people are experiencing now. And so my question is why? Like what what changed? What happened? It's probably a multitude of things, but just kind of curious from your mm-hmm. kind of your other job. Um, what sure. are you seeing? Like why? Well, I think there are probably quite a few reasons as to why, but what's most important to me is that people understand they're not alone and that this is a community-wide problem. Yeah. So it needs a community-wide solution. When we look at the numbers and we can see how impactful this is across the board, um, it's not just one sector of children or youth or teens, but it's across the board. It's really clear to me that we need something that's larger than that. So for example, when I was at my kids band and choir concert, it was so exciting because the whole community had gathered really for the first time post COVID. And we were all, you could hear in the audience, you could just hear the excitement to watch our Mm -hmm. cute kids do what they've been practicing to do. But I had a really different perspective because when I looked up at the, you know, the, the group of kids, I saw their faces. And so many of them, I know their stories. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought if they only knew, if the parents only knew that they weren't alone and if the kids only knew they weren't alone and that the large majority of the kids had really survived stories that they don't talk about. But if people understood that, I felt Mm -hmm. just so proud of them. I'm like, they're still here. Look at, they're all up there. They're still here and they're singing. (laughs) This Mm -hmm. is great. We're on a right track, but it made me realize we've got to have community-wide support support for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot of ways to do that. And I've got some ideas legislatively. One of the things that's right on the top of my mind in our communities is that we can do things to both mitigate the effects of trauma and prevent some of the trauma that happens. And one of those things is youth development. So investing early, this comes from my professional background, mm-hmm. uh, where we know when we have kids who are at risk and all of our kids are at risk now, when we put in opportunities for what we would call pro-social activities, but what that really is, is sports, arts, you know, activities where they're busy doing something good. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what my grandma knew back in the day 
Yeah. It keeps them out of trouble, right? They're busy. They're doing things that are healthy. These are healthy activities, good, you know, giving back to the community. But the trouble is right now, we have a whole bunch of kids who can't afford to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't have access to a lot, particularly in our rural areas up in our North County. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've really got to put some structure in place to invest in that way. And we know that this is such a good investment of dollars because for every dollar that we invest, it saves many down the road. Um, particularly when we look at, you know, criminal justice and when young people get involved in criminal activity. So I'm really focused on making sure that instead of after school, kids are going home and doing all the things we don't want them to do, uh, that they're busy and that they're doing things that are healthy and giving back to the community and most importantly, connecting with each other. Mm-hmm. And so I guess a, a spinoff of that, and this speaks to a lot of the I guess more broad sense, creation of community, right? And so our chamber and a lot of our chambers around the world, around the country, particularly in our county, have events and kind of the creation of community in that capacity. And there are multiple ways to create community, school Mm -hmm. programs, nonprofits, community events, all the things. And I'm curious is if we're seeing this lack of availability right? Um, how much does volunteerism come in? Because I remember growing up and like, again, like with, with your boys, you know, being involved in sports and, you know, so-and-so's dad was like the head coach and so-and-so's dad was like the assistant coach. And I don't see that level of engagement um, anymore from like adults. And so, you know, is that play a role in this, like this, this lack of volunteerism? And yeah, it's probably a whole sad topic of whether people have the capacity and availability to give up their right. time too. But is that is that connected that you can make? For sure. So what we know is that when kids have one trusted adult, their chances of succeeding in life shoot, shoot through the roof. It makes mm-hmm. all the difference. Even when they have experienced horrific loss, or horrific tragedy, one trusted adult is a mitigating factor. It's a protective factor. And when I think about what are we gonna do for our community, we have to build up those protective factors in all Mm -hmm. the ways. Um, One of the other things I'm working on is a mentoring program, looking to find some funding to support it. Uh, You know, we know that that's an impactful way that we can see good outcomes. They're measurable, Mm -hmm. this works. So what you're talking about, about building community, we really have to put the structure back in. We lost it when we had COVID and we haven't, in my opinion, really put it back together again. Mm -hmm. So that's where my eye goes. How do we help people connect again? People, adults and youth, but especially youth, need to feel like they are connected and safe and belong. Mm -hmm. And when humans feel that they're connected, safe and belong, that's when we really see, you know, a society where people thrive. Yeah. We're not there yet, but I intend to help put in the pieces to help build this back up again. Yeah, it's uh, my highly intelligent wife always says everyone needs an advocate, right? And I think yeah, as I we have that. parents who are who are aging, right? That's and, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that like, oh my gosh, like I go to my doctor and sometimes it's helpful to have someone there for like, wait, what did they say? Right. Can you can you step by step write it down for me? And, you know, I think 
I have a quote above my door in the office that's, that speaks to that mentorship, right? Like one hand up, one hand back. Like learn from those that have come before. And it's truly that creation of community. So I appreciate the fact that as an elected leader, you recognize that that web that we all weave as community and um, facilitating that. So we are to our next break. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. A crisp company logoed shirt or uniform from Bergen, Whatcom County's local logo apparel experts, makes your employees look and feel more professional. Bergen pairs their commitment to personal service with professional results, specializing in embroidery and all kinds of logoed promotional products. Unlike when you place an order online, Bergen's guarantees that your order will be completed on time to your specifications with a smile. Get your logo on the best brand names out there from North Face, Carhartt, Columbia, Russell Outdoor, Adidas and Izod, Van Heusen, Tommy Hilfinger, and more. Your employees will want to rep your brand in Bergen's logoed work apparel. And why not start a new company tradition with three Milestones Appreciation Customized Gear? Elevate your brand with Bergen Customized Company Apparel. From polos to sweatshirts, ball caps to bags and more. Bergen does it all. Give them a call to get a quote within 24 hours. Or stop by the showroom Monday through Thursday on Iron Gate in Bellingham. And online at bergenembroidery.com. New Year's Eve party for a cause. Support the Ferndale Food Bank and enjoy a night of celebration at the Ferndale Event Center. Your $75 ticket or $120 for couples includes mouth-watering appetizers, live music by Sunset Superman, and a champagne toast at midnight, and a no-host bar, too. An unforgettable evening of music, laughter, and the warmth of giving back with proceeds benefiting the Ferndale Food Bank. Doors open at 7. Every ticket makes a difference. Find ticket link and details on the Ferndale Food Bank Facebook page. KGMI Connects with Joe Tian is about our community and you. Yeah, I happen to believe that the Bellingham, Whatcom County, uh, the Fraser River Delta, and Nooksack is an enormous healing area. Each weekday at 4 p.m. I'm the old dog. When I walk down railroads, I'm the one who knows who just got here and who didn't. I see them, they're so angry from where they came from, and then through the years, they mellow out because there's a healing energy here. On KGMI 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are, and if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. A conservative take on issues important to Whatcom County and the Pacific Northwest. This sounds crazy that you're going to tell the schools you must do extra service for those kids with learning difficult. But when it comes to especially gifted kids, we can't give them special classes because it doesn't include a sufficient percentage of kids of color? Yes, that's what's actually happening in Washington State. Lars Larson, noon to three each weekday on KGMI. Generosity pays, and West Edge Credit Union wants to encourage a little generosity. Now through the end of the year, receive an extra quarter point discount off your interest rate on any car, truck, or motorcycle loan from West Edge, and no payments for 90 days when you donate $25 to a local charity. Now that's a win-win. 
Offer valid through December 31st on approved credit. See West Edge for details. West Edge Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA, on the corner of James and Alabama. Online at westedgecu.org. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. No gimmicks, just the highest quality systems. 0% interest financing and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Rely on West Mechanical heating, air conditioning, and electrical. Contact them today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back to the Walker Report. I'm your host, Guy Atragrasso, President and CEO of the Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce, and we're here talking with Representative uh, Alicia Rule, and we've spent a lot of the dialogue uh, this morning talking about um, youth and caring for kids, creating community, mentoring, and I love that, right? I would love to be able to to explore that maybe at another time. Uh, But one of the biggest pieces, like when we talk about youth, is child care and education and two big things that the state gets to gets to engage with and so what are kind of what are you seeing and thinking and planning as far as like child care and education yeah well if 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 i'm going to be true to my commitment to youth the fact is we meet kids where they're at and they're generally in school and in child care um so i think a lot about education and our public education system and how we can better it The youth being in a mental health crisis means they're walking through the door every day with a heavy load. Um, Each of those kids with their own version of a heavy load. So I almost have this picture in my mind of them walking in with a backpack and it's full of worry and trauma and, um, you know, way more than the academics that are in front of them. So I'm thinking a lot about how we can unpack that. And one thing I know for sure is that when kids are in a mental health crisis, they can't learn. And that comes from brain science, neuroscience. When I first started as a social worker, we we knew this, right? Because those who came before us told us, this is what we know. We've been doing this in the field for a long time. We've just observed kids can't learn when their brains are on fire or when they're feeling um, stressed in this way. But now we can see it. We can actually see it on the images. We can see what colors light up and what's part of the brain. And it's just super clear that if they are working out of that fight or flight mode, which so many times our youth are, they're learning nothing. You can put all the facts in front of them and have the best teachers in the world, and they're not able to access the information. So one of the things I'm hoping to do is to put together a department of mental health under the office of superintendent so that our public schools actually have a a person who's in charge of organizing all that comes along with um you know mental health in schools which we've improved on but we're just cracking that nut you know at the very beginning of this process of understanding this that someone's not able to come in and learn their math facts when for example they found out that morning that they're going to be evicted from their home which mm-hmm. is happening every day right here in our, our schools. This is happening every day. Mm-hmm. So uh, with that in mind, how are schools supposed to handle this? Um, I think we need to equip them a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So that's my intention with that idea. Um, the other thing is we have to make sure that they have access to the academics. Both things yeah. are true. 
So we've got a whole bunch of learning gaps happening post COVID mm-hmm. and we've really got to target in and uh, make sure that kids have what they need. So I'll be working on increasing tutoring um, and increasing funding for libraries. Mm-hmm. For some kids, that, that feeling we talked about of being safe and, and connected and belonging, many people have stories about that happening at the library. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a safe space yeah. for a, a yeah. lot of kids and a lot of youth. And the academic outcomes of access to libraries are very clear. So I think it's a great, great way to support our students who are struggling and those who are doing well um, to support libraries. So I'm looking to increase that funding um, in our public schools. And lastly, I would say, you know, we've got to prioritize figuring out how we get students in the door. We have a lot of students who have chronic absences. And I think it's important that we understand that the reasons are complicated Mm -hmm. Um, for many students it has to do with this mental health piece. So those work hand in hand. But once you start missing school, it's awfully hard to stay caught up and stay engaged. It just gets harder and harder. Um, So I really wanna make sure that we're supporting our public schools with the tools that they need to really engage when we have students who we can see are disengaging, to find out the root reasons why and what they need to be pulled back in. Because I think our public schools are really the heart of our community and it's where we connect with each other. Um, so we really got to keep those young people engaged in whatever ways we can, and especially to keep them on an academic track. Yeah. When I think it's, it's gosh, like what we're talking about right now is this intersectionality of so many things. Um, <clears throat> when we talk about like the need for connection, right? Um, and that getting into trouble, being busy that we were talking about before. And I think one of the things that's really happened over the last, let's say, generation is, especially in our community with our housing prices, like you have to have a dual income household to be generally to be able to afford to live here. And Mm -hmm. assuming two parents in a house, which isn't always the case, but if we're going to look at it from a standardized perspective, it's like, where's that support system at home? And so, yeah, understanding the the value of good education, education that bends on building up from a academic standpoint, but also a well-rounded human, right? It's one of the reasons, you know, when we look at like, why is the Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce engaged in a childcare dialogue? Well, it's twofold, Mm -hmm. right? It's getting parents back to work and it's investing in amazing quality humans, well-rounded humans um, 20 years from now who may be employable. Um, Well, we need them to be employable. The fact is we have a workforce shortage. Yes, and and we will. And we will continue to have a workforce shortage. Any listener on this call has a hard heart, but assuming there might be somebody, another way to look at this is we absolutely need to make sure that we're building up a workforce that works for Mm -hmm. our community. And I think this is the problem. Um, They are not prepared and they're not prepared because we are not getting them prepared. And preparing our youth for the workforce is more complicated than just rigor. Um, Rigor is important, but we also need to make sure that they're in a calm and connected and belonging Mm -hmm. place so that they can access the best part of their brain so that they can hit that rigor that we need for our next workforce. The other thing I'm always going to be passionate about is ensuring that we have access to skill centers. 
So I am working on that this next session, but we've got to make sure um, that the kind of education we're doing is producing the outcomes that we need for our next workforce. Um, These are the varied outcomes. The varied outcomes. We need our students to be prepared for the jobs that are in the world. Um, And that means we need a wide variety and it's a hand in glove fit. When we do well for one, we do well for the other. Um, So I will continue to do some work this session on building out infrastructure for environmental education. We see really good outcomes there. Um, Even for kids who struggle, we see academic outcomes that are actually much higher than if they were to stay in the classroom. Um, And we know that we need that workforce to be built up as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. Kids need to understand that there's good work outside. And um, if you aren't doing well sitting behind a desk or sitting in the classroom, you might be the exact leader we need in some of the industries that are short workforce. So uh, we've got to be able to make sure that those kids stay in school and engaged long enough to have the experience for them to discover that about themselves and about the world. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the points is we kind of round out this segment, and I imagine we can spend an entire show on this. Uh, But one of the things again, in our engagement within childcare realm, right? That whole nuanced complex arena of early childhood development, um, adverse childhood experiences, like ACEs, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. it's, I remember being in a conversation within the broader region, this wasn't a local conversation, and they were amazed that a chamber, like a business organization, were talking about ACEs. And so adverse childhood experiences, And it's so amazing to look at what the trend line says for ACEs as it relates to all kinds of trauma and negative outcomes um, in the community. And so I first learned about it through uh, homelessness. And so again, I am a data person. I have an Mm -hmm. MBA on my wall because I love numbers and letting numbers get to good outcomes. Um, and this is one of those outcomes, or one of those numbers that I think we can really lean on, especially from youth development, but all the way through, I would say, learning loss, kind of like what we're talking about. We get to repair that because it's bad. Like we, we have people, we have students graduating high school now, and probably for the next few years, that will be average, on average, less educated from that rigor standpoint that you mentioned than they would have been had they graduated in 2019. And so That's right. we get to we get to repair that. So I appreciate it. We need your, to repair it. Yeah. We need to repair it. We need to be competitive with the rest of the country. We need to be competitive in the global market. Yep. And we need to prepare our youth for uh, hopefully a thriving future. And that takes intention. Yeah. So I love that you brought up ACEs, which most people who are listening to this probably don't even know what they I have are. no idea. Right, right. Like but they're one of those adverse terms that... childhood experiences. That means when yeah. a child has a number of traumas, their outcome trajectory in their life as adults is impacted severely in all these areas, including health yeah. and, and all these things. But what we haven't talked about is every bill that I'm running, I think, um, around youth is to improve protective factors, which is mm. the exact flip side of that coin. We know that we have to prevent ACEs. That's why I work so hard on public safety. 
Mm-hmm. Child protection and public safety, I'll have a bunch of bills this year. And the yeah. reason is because I'm going to do everything I can to prevent those ACEs, those right. adverse childhood experiences. But at the very same time, I'm going to build as much as I can on those protective factors so that if and when those ACEs happen, we can build in protection so that they don't mm-hmm. have to be long term. Right. Perfect. Well, I look forward to working with you on all of those and engaging through the session. So we are to our next break. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. If you're hearing this message today and you have faith in Jesus Christ, it's probably not because someone jammed a Bible down your throat. For those of you who have not received this free gift, make this the year that you ask for God's grace. Make this the year that you ask for his endurance and perseverance. If you still have doubts that God came down, born of a virgin, and you're still not convinced he lived a perfect life or that he healed the sick, that he walked on water or even turned water into wine, or maybe you're having a tough time believing a person who's fully human could be crucified, dead, and three days later be alive. If you have doubts about all this, you're not alone. Every Christian I know had some kind of doubt. Make this the year you believe. Believe that he died on the cross for you, that he wants to have a relationship with you, but he'll never force you to love him. But once you fully know all he's done for you, how could you not love him back? Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. In Jesus' name, amen. From our family to yours here at DD Insurance. This is Heidi Person, General Manager of the Cascade Radio Group, with a look at some good news in our community that we like to call the upside. The Art Bridges Foundation has awarded the Whatcom Museum an Access for All grant, aiming at making it easier for people across the country to experience art. Thanks to the grant, the Whatcom Museum will now be free the first Friday of every month, beginning January 5th, with special programming and extended hours until 9 p.m. The museum's monthly extended hours and free admission will coincide with first Fridays through the Downtown Bellingham Partnership. The Whatcom Museum spans two exhibition spaces, Old City Hall on Prospect Street in the Lightcatcher Building, and both buildings will be open to visitors free every first Friday. The Upside is brought to you by R.B. Wick and Bellingham Coin Shop. Stop by today for a free coin or antique evaluation. 1806 Cornwall, one block south of Bellingham High School or at bellinghamcoin.com. If you have good news to report, email it to us at theupside at cascaderadiogroup.com. All right, welcome back to the Walker Report. We're here with Representative Alicia Rule talking about, um, gosh, all kinds of things. Highly focused on like kids and youth and, uh, yeah, all, all, all kinds of things. But want to move the dialogue in this um, kind of final segment, the second to last segment, excuse me, on um, making government work. And so I know you have some thoughts on that. So I'm just going to kind of like toss the proverbial mic to you and uh, start that conversation. Sure. Well, this is just something that's on my mind all the time. Um, I think, you know, when we have an emergency or from day to day, we expect our government to work. Uh And uh, that is something that takes continual effort from, I think, the legislative body. We have to make sure that we are keeping things, um, producing the outcomes that we expect from our, our our government. So the thing that comes to my mind right away, of course, is the flooding that we experienced and how when folks were as vulnerable as they were, and many still are mm-hmm. because of that yeah. flood event. But we there's really, still homes that are still in unoccupied. 
Exactly. In in a housing crisis. <laughs> I mean, so there's that. We've just got to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to continue to improve how our government functions. Um, so I am working on a bill that specifically will be for natural disasters. We have an increase of natural disasters across the state. Some of them are, are wildfires, but we actually have, I work a lot with the Department of Emergency Management, which is our military division. And they explained to me that we actually have a higher chance of natural disasters in Washington state than almost anywhere in the country. So this is something that's really important for the state of Washington. But whether it's flooding or whether it's fires, when you have a natural disaster, you expect your government to be able to respond. And we all know that, first of all, FEMA is underfunded. So all of those funds for this year are long gone and, and certainly yeah. slow, right? Like not, yeah. not yeah. responsive in a way that's helpful to people, um, very challenging. So one of the things that we're doing, um, Representative Timmons and I are working on two bills. And we're working with the Department of Emergency Management to uh, have an infrastructure bill that will allow for public infrastructure to be built back after these emergencies. That's Representative Timmons' bill. And then I'm working within the existing rules to make sure that we can fund an individual assistance program at a state level. So you remember when we had the floods, we had a small bucket of money available for individuals, but it wasn't nearly enough and it wasn't mm -hmm. fast. Right. So we're working on that internally. It doesn't necessarily take a legislative fix, but it takes a policy fix. Um, so we're continuing to try to fix that for the next event that we know is going to happen. And then a bill is required to improve intrastate mutual aid. So when we have uh, an event that happens, we can borrow, you know, resources from across state lines and mostly within within districts locally here. So um, within what we call it has nothing to do with taxes, but we divide them by taxing districts. And uh, it's important that when we have a large event that we can easily, smoothly share resources. Um, so we'll be working on that as well in order to prepare for the next event. We, we will have a next event. We yeah. know that. Um, but these are very, you know, fairly boring bills until you need them. Right. And it's, we and it's crazy know to that think government that that's needs not to function. Even, yeah, it's crazy to think that that mutual aid component isn't already established because we all know. know like fires and floods, they totally know county lines. <laughs> it's true. So this will help it to be smoother, faster, and more functional. Um, we have to streamline things. We have to understand that these kind of Natural events are occurring at a higher rate than they ever have. Um, no doubt about it. You've probably really noticed the, the fires most recently, and it seems to be impacting every part of our state. So we are doing a lot of preparation work and trying to think ahead about how we can uh, respond when people are in that kind of crisis. Of course, we hope people have proper insurance, but the fact is most people are underinsured and underprepared and they expect their government to work well. So we wanna make sure that our laws allow that to happen. Yeah, the, um, you know, keeping with the flood kind of dialogue, it's, you know, like again, since the state policies and rules come into this, like housing, 
you know, kind of you mentioned, like we're still in a housing crisis and we certainly don't have enough time in this segment or even this show to go into the housing crisis and all the nuances and how it pushes on all the other stuff we've talked about today. But I do think it's important to say, gosh, like we we've got to repair our housing system um, mm -hmm. in the state, particularly in Whatcom County. Because uh, mm -hmm. again, I, I'm a let's increase the size of the sandbox type of human. I say, let's say yes to more people. Let's say yes to kids getting a great education and having the availability to have a job here. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where housing is going to come in at. And I just think back to those families who probably lived in Sumas, Everson, Nooksack areas because that's where they could afford. Mm -hmm. And their home was washed away and flooded and there's no other option and that's that doesn't feel like a very community oriented community no i'm particularly i'm always worried about our housing crisis but i'm especially worried about our housing crisis and its impact on young children we have over 200 children living in cars in whatcom mm -hmm. county um i take that back families over 200 families yes. So if a family has more than one kid, that means that our child numbers are even higher. Right. Um, and it's only growing. It's growing by the day. But one yeah. of the things we know for sure is that we are simply short on housing. There's not mm -hmm. enough units for the people who live here. And it's yes. not even close. Right. So we are going to have to work really hard to uh, make it easier to build. Um, and there's permit. just no other option. Yeah. Like it's, it's more complicated Agreed. than just building, right? Like it's allowing it saying yes to it, permitting it, building it. Yeah. So yeah, we are to our... The other piece is affordability. We've got right. to make sure that it's affordable. And that that means we've got to streamline that permitting process and make it make sense for investors to want to build these affordable mm -hmm. units. So there's right. there's it's challenging, but it's a challenge and, we have to take on. Yeah. And again, I think have jobs that pay a better wage than right. what we do is and that means saying yes to new employers that pay high wages to our community to allow some of those local job earners here so again really complicated conversation uh we are to our next break uh so stay tuned and we'll finish up the conversation when i think about my grandparents it takes me back to warm memories of meals shared around their dining room table and laughter exchanged around their fireplace hi i'm brad Barron, ceo and fourth generation baron at Barron heating ac electrical and plumbing over 50 years ago my grandfather installed Barron's first fireplace in one of whatcom county's newest developments sudden valley grandpa dan took great pride in his craftsmanship ensuring that every fireplace or stove he installed was truly the heart of his customers home today Barron continues this tradition by providing Providing beautifully crafted hearth products through its Firelight by Baron division. Featuring America's best-known brands of stoves, fireplaces, and inserts, a Baron Firelight expert can help you build your perfect flame. Visit a Baron showroom today and get a free solo stove with purchase of a fireplace, stove, or insert. It's Baron's gift to you this holiday season to create warm, lasting memories both in and outside your home. 
Firelight by Baron, a tradition of warmth and beauty since 1972. Our mission, improving lives. Limited time offer. Call Baron for details. You need a job? Go to HireMeWad.com. HireMeWad.com is Cascade Radio Group's hyper-local job board. It's free and easy to use. Just go to HireMeWad.com for the latest job openings and offers. You can apply right there. HireMeWad.com is available 24 hours a day. Check back often. New jobs are posted frequently. Don't see what you want? Post your resume and let prospective employers find you. HireMeWad.com, the go-to job board for Northwest Washington. HireMeWA.com, your new job awaits. There's a lot going on right now, and broadcasters are on the ground covering all of it, bringing you the weather, the traffic, and breaking news, all while entertaining you 24 hours a day. Someone needs to tell you what's going on around the world and in our hometowns. And that someone is us. We are free radio. We are always there. We are broadcasters. Visit wearebroadcasters.com or text radio to 52886 to learn more. Furnished by NAB and this station. Welcome back to the Walk and Report, a program of the Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce in partnership with KGMI. I'm your host, Guy Trigasso, President and CEO of the Chamber. And Alicia, thank you so much for joining me on the show this morning. Uh, we have run the gamut of a lot of topics and we left a lot of things on the table. So I think you're going to have to come back, chat with us probably after session because your world is already busy and just going to get busier. Uh, so uh, again, just Thank you so much. Any lasting thoughts and how people and if people want to interact with you uh, during session, what's the best way to do that? Well, thanks for having me on the show. We started out the show by talking about the fact that we're heading into the holidays and then we immediately talked about really hard things. This is what I want you to know. I am ready to address the hardest of the hard things and we should feel hopeful heading into Mm -hmm. the holidays because I know that as a community, we are strong and that we are connected and we're ready to face these things head on. Um, And I'm with you. So thanks for having me on the show today. If people wanna engage with me, which I really love, please send me an email. It's alicia.rule at ledge.wa.gov. A little bit clunky, but it's a um, really good way to communicate with me. I can quickly get back to you. Most of the time, it's going to be a really busy session, but I'm really looking forward to going in this together and facing these challenges with a hopeful outcome. Awesome. And again, as from a chamber perspective, I hope, I know I will be down in Olympia at least once uh, this session. And so we hope to maybe bring some county businesses uh, down to visit uh, the three from the 42nd and, of course, our partners uh, at the 40th, too. So thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a wonderful holiday and a great new year, and we'll see you next year.